Welcome to the Service Academy Sorority, a space where women that have graduated from the service academies can share their stories and build a sense of camaraderie and sisterhood. This episode features Olivia Cream, a 2004 graduate from the U.S. Coast Guard Academy. In this episode, you'll hear about Olivia's endless drive to succeed and the highs and lows of her journey towards becoming an engineer with the Coast Guard. From her experience as an immigrant family from Jamaica to the many ups and downs she faced during her time at the Academy, Olivia makes it clear that if you want something badly enough, it's important to stick with it, find your support network, and work hard. As a heads up, this episode mentions sexual assault and also goes into details about some of Olivia's experiences with racism. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Olivia. Thanks, Victoria. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you tell everyone where you're from, what school you went to, and when you graduated? Absolutely. So I'm going to feel a little bit old doing this um, because I feel like when I graduated was a thousand years ago, but uh, my name is Olivia Cream. I currently live in Tampa, Florida. I was actually born in Jamaica, if you can believe that. Um, So we're an immigrant family. Uh, I left Jamaica when I was nine um, and I went to the Coast Guard Academy. I majored in mechanical engineering. So I got my bachelor's of science in mechanical um, engineering. And you graduated in what year? And I graduated in 2004. And now you're making me feel old because (laughs) I graduated in 2004 as well. So (laughs) I know we're not spring chickens anymore. That's for sure. (laughs) No, no. Okay. And I was going to say, can you start by giving everyone one to two lines about who you are today? But you kind of just did that. Uh, But, but you're still, you're in Tampa, Florida. Yep, in Tampa, Florida. Um, And today I'm actually the senior director of HR for a medical device company. Um, So a far cry from what I was doing so long ago, um, but I'm really enjoying this new space. Mm, Okay, so I'm definitely really excited to hear how you got to medical devices from where you started. So, all right, (laughs) so let's start. So let's go back to the beginning when you were deciding where to go to college. Uh, What made you choose a service academy and what made you specifically choose the Coast Guard Academy? Okay, so this is going to be a super funny story. Um, A lot of people have these very well thought out stories about how they did all this research and they ended up here. That was not the case for me. So the summer of my junior year, um, I typically was doing some kind of like soccer, traveling soccer Um, activity, but this particular summer I had nothing to do. And I had started to think about, okay, where do I want to go to school? Um, And I happened to get two invitations in the mail. One was for the Naval Academy and one was for the Coast Guards um, program that it was a minority introduction to engineering. So might program at the Academy. So essentially you would go up to the Academy, you'd spend the summer building robots. This is how they pitched it in this little flyer thing. Um, Get to learn more about the Academy. You know, then you would have this guaranteed five years of work afterwards and all these bonuses and bonuses and things. And I found it absolutely fascinating. Now, I also found the Naval Academy uh, information fascinating, but it required, it was like $60 for the fee to like submit your application. The Coast Guard's application was free. Uh, You had to write like this 
16 page essay or so I mean it was really really long um the Coast Guard it was like one paragraph that you had to submit and I was like sold <laughs> going to the Coast Guard <laughs> Academy for the summer um so I did the the might program the Coast Guard's program over the summer and Victoria I just fell in love with the Coast Guard's mission um, I fell in love with the campus. Um, and I always knew, you know, I'm the only girl, I've got three brothers, and I always knew I wanted to be an engineer. I had been taking apart things since before I could even remember. My mom tells stories of me taking the toaster apart before I could figure out how to put it back together again. And, you know, I used to work on cars with my brothers and race them, you know, probably not great, but we, we used to do that in high school as well. So I knew I wanted to be an engineer and that program just really spoke to me. We got to tinker with little robots. Um, you know, we got a little bit of, of a taste of what PT would be like. Um, it, and it was just, it was just amazing. So I would say for the, why I ended up at the Coast Guard specifically was that summer program um, really just sold me on everything that the Coast Guard had to offer. That's so fascinating. I haven't heard of that program. Does it still exist? You know, I don't think it exists anymore. The last I checked, um, there, there are so many different programs that the Coast Guard runs to attract students. Um, but I'm not sure that the MITE program exists anymore. If it does, I haven't heard much about it. Um, but it was really, really effective. Maybe it exists in some form. Maybe they changed the name of it. You know, they're always doing something um, to try to freshen up their op their offerings. So maybe it's under a different name, but mm. something still has to be in existence. Mm, sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, okay. So what was the reaction? Uh, what was your parents' reaction when you told them what you wanted to do? I mean, they're an immigrant family from Jamaica. Now you want to go to the Coast Guard. Like, how, what did they? What did they say? Well, as you can imagine, my mother was not thrilled. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, um, I think being the only girl, she was always like, can you just, can you like put on a dress and maybe do something dainty for me for once? Like, it would be amazing <laughs> if you could just do that. <laughs> um, so she was not thrilled, but my dad was all about it. He was like, that's amazing. This is going to be a great opportunity. And he really, you know, as an immigrant family, I think what, what's might resonate with other families is we, when my parents migrated to the United States, they really had to start over, right? So every, all the schooling that they got in Jamaica, none of that really trans transferred to the United States. So they had, they were both going back through college again. Um, wow. Yeah, for different reasons, you know, so we moved around um, a bit. So there was no like college fund for the kids, right? Mm -hmm. So we knew early on that we needed to either get scholarships, um, and my parents were extremely disciplined um, and extremely focused on our education. If it's one thing the Grant family kids, Grant's why I made a name, um, it would be is, is highly educated. My parents sought to that. So, um, but in terms of financial preparation, I mean, they're, they're, we just weren't at that point where um, we could have college funds. So, so we had to figure it out. So one of the things that was really appealing for my dad is um, the financial security of it, right? So I would go to this mm. at the time, I think the Coast Guard was the number three engineering school um, in the US um, behind MIT and Georgia Tech, if I remember correctly. 
Um, so I get my degree in engineering. I don't have student debt hanging over my head. I have a guaranteed job for five years. They train me. Um, and then at the end of five years, I can decide whether I can stay or go. My dad was sold. He was like, done, good, awesome, get out of here. <laughs> Can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Was it rare for for someone, and especially like a woman, to go to an academy coming from your school? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Um, that's interesting. So when you so you you went to this summer program and you were it sounds like you were pretty much sold that the Coast Guard Academy was where you wanted to go. Um, at that point, though, after the program, because you did it the summer between your junior and your senior year, right? Correct. Okay. Did, did you, after that summer, were you like, I need to look at the other academies or like, or were you just totally focused on the Coast Guard Academy? Totally sold on the Coast Guard Academy. <laughs> yeah. And that's what it sounds like. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so... And I was the same way when I went to the Merchant Marine Academy. So I get it. Uh, so, um, so that year, your senior year, uh, when you were applying, was how was that application process for you? I mean, the application process uh, was wonderful. I had an advocate. There was actually... Um, I, I don't want to call him a recruiter, but um, he worked at the Coast Guard Academy. I met him there while I was doing the summer um, program, the summer might program. And he really invested in me and another um, gal that ended up being my uh, roommate at the academy the first year during swab summer. Um, but he took an interest in the two of us, um, me specifically, because they were just starting, the Coast Guard Academy was just starting their varsity women's soccer program. So he was really talking me up, like, this could be great. Like, you know, you could, you know, have a benchmark that would last forever, you know, be a part of the first team, right? Kind of gassing me up, you know, pumping mm -hmm. that competition, that pumping that ego a little bit. Um, and then while we were doing the application process, he would call. So he would call maybe once a week. How's it going? Where are you in the process? Can I do anything for you? Do you have any questions? And so he really made it really, really easy for me because I had one person that had invested in me that anytime I was a little bit confused or um, wasn't sure of the next step in the process, he could really appropriately guide me. His guidance was invaluable. You can tell it's a gazillion years from um, what we're talking about now. And I still remember him so clearly. Hmm. Yeah, that's super helpful to have somebody who can just, I don't know, just support you through that process. The process has so many pieces to it that it can be really overwhelming, especially when the people around you haven't haven't really been through it or, uh, you know, they're just used to like regular application processes to other schools. I mean, there's just so many pieces that can hang you up, you know, between the medical and the physical. It's just so. Um, so that sounds like really helpful. Now, were you really focused on being a college athlete or was that just like part of it you know because it sounds like you were really just engaged with the engineering piece that really was what sparked you as a major piece yeah honestly I think it was probably 50 50 for me um and I did wrestle with that just a little bit because I had pretty much made my mind up that that's where I was going but I also the the thought of playing division one soccer was I mean 
so exciting to me. Um, and I had big competition, right? So the like Friday night lights, like getting out of the field, like major competition was so exciting for me. And I had been playing soccer my entire life at this point. I mean, uh, my dad was my coach when I was little and then transitioning into competitive soccer, you know, after that. So soccer was a big part of my life. So of course that was a factor in it. Um, and I think ultimately what, what really solidified the Coast Guard for me was the financial security, the fact that I didn't have a student loan. I mean, massive benefits there, massive benefits there. In addition to getting an engineering degree from a pretty spectacular place um, and side bonus, I also get to play soccer. So the soccer kind of took a third, um, third place seat to the other two factors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So so you really like, it just sounds like you're really set on the Coast Guard Academy. Did you even apply to other schools outside of academies on that note about like soccer and stuff? Or did you really just zone in on Coast Guard? And that was pretty much it. That that was it, Victoria. And, you know, if you know me well, I am one of these burn the boats type people. So if mm. I'm after something, I'm like, this is going to happen come hell or high water. I don't have a plan B because I don't need a plan B because this is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm yeah. kind of one of those people. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I was the same. I And, and I had <laughs> a lot of bumps in my road to get there. So I, I really do get it. Um, that's awesome. Okay. So tell me about that summer. How was it showing up there? How'd you feel? Tell me about that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's such a loaded question. It has so many layers to it. Going up there was extremely exciting because this is what I'd worked for. This is what I was focusing on, you know, so just being there, I was thrilled to be there. And then there was, of course, there was the swimming class. So let me tell you about swimming. And this is going to be hilarious. You guys can't see me, but I am a black woman and every single black person at the academy was in rock swimming. Every single one of us, maybe one, maybe Mm. one person was not in rock swimming. So I think the most challenging part of that first, um, I'd say couple weeks was the swimming portion of it. And even though I'm Jamaican, I grew up on an island, I was not a strong swimmer. And I know there are a lot of um, black people that um, just never had the opportunity to learn how to swim, didn't take swim classes, weren't near pools. You know, for whatever reason, we just did not learn how to swim or weren't encouraged to learn how to swim. So we all ended up in rock swimming. Um, So you think to yourself, oh my God, you don't know how to swim and you're joining the Coast Guard. Well, let me defend myself for a second here. As as an engineer, if I am in the water, we're all in trouble. Like there's no reason for me to be in the water, (laughs) right? So in my mind, I didn't think it would be that big of a deal. But the first thing that you have to do is they take you to the pool and they put you up on the high dive and they tell you to step off. And it's kind of your first test of courage, like how far are you willing to go? How how in it are, are you really? Um, and we had some classmates that were just like, nope, not doing it, tapping out, like I'm out. <laughs> I'm not doing this. Yeah, Yeah, they were they were out very quickly. And um, even though I wasn't a strong swimmer, I think really conquering that fear and just working at it until you could pass that lifeguarding class um, really made a big impression on me early on. So to answer your question directly, I think getting there was part excitement, part 
just extreme terror <laughs> um, as far <laughs> as like the water goes um, and a constant constantly learning new things right we had to do sailing classes I had never been on a sailboat in my life you know um, doing doing things on the water especially in the winter time when it got really cold I had never been anywhere where there was snow or any temperatures of that um, you know that cold so doing PT outside in the cold or doing activities in the in the water in the cold was a whole new experience for me so it was a lot of just overcoming fear and developing some mental toughness um, and really realizing like this whole thing is a game, the yelling, the screaming, the mm -hmm. running, like all of this is a means to an end. So I think it really created a, um, a callousing of the mind. You kind of had to do that the first year to, to get through that freshman year. Mm. Well, that's a great segue into my next question, which is if you had to sum up your time at the academy in one word, what would it be? Exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. That's honest. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were so many great things about it, but you, oh my God, you're just exhausted because every moment of every day is um, kind of scheduled out for you and you're balancing sports, you're balancing academics that are pretty pretty extreme um I remember getting my first like c minus at the academy and I was like what is this I don't get c's yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. this, is, <laughs> this is not a thing <laughs> you know um so I think balancing all of those things was yeah just like you were just tired all the time and I think you learned to um function while in that that like low energy state that served me well is still serving me well frankly so I say exhausting and I know it sounds hilarious but I think learning to operate like that is a life skill that everyone mm -hmm. needs mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so that's interesting so so now you you knew you wanted to be an engineer right away um so right that's correct yes. right so yes that that, mm -hmm. that was kind of like um, but how were academics for you otherwise? I know you just said a C, a C minus. Listen, I was there. I, I, my calculus grade, the first, I was like, what is this a C? I'm like, I don't, I get A's. I don't get C's or B's even sometimes. I just, yep. yeah, you have to recalibrate how you, yes. <laughs> how you operate. Um, so, so how were academics just in general for you? I mean, my grades were good, um, but they weren't they weren't the standard that I had for myself going into it. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I will say that I struggled a little bit um, just adapting to some of those academics because like, for example, thermodynamics and multivariable calculus the two worst courses I've ever taken in my entire life. I'll never forget <laughs> my experience yeah. going through them. Um, it was just really difficult. And what I learned is in order to be good at thermodynamics, you really had to use your peers, right? Like you would get like six questions a night. And originally I was trying to do my homework by myself because that's what I'm used to doing, right? Like I would just go to my corner, do my homework, not really do any study groups because I never had to do that. And I think it was part of 
it was partly designed that way to be like, you're not going to have all the answers yourself. You're going to have to use your resources. And once I figured that out, I think things started to, to get um, a little bit easier for me academically because I realized I need my peers, right? I need to go to these study groups. I, let's leverage each other's knowledge. Let's figure out these problems together. I don't have to do everything by myself. But let me tell you, it was junior year before I figured, <laughs> figured that out. Um, so, I, you know, they were, they were extremely hard um, and there was no slack. Like there was no forgiveness. You know what I mean? You either, either yeah. you got it or you didn't. Um, obviously I figured it out, but it was a challenge for certain. Mm-hmm. And, and also like, so what was going on with soccer at this time? Was that, was that part of your day, part of your life at the same time? It, yes, it was absolutely a part of my life. Um, and we were, because it was the first, uh, so when I was a freshman, it was the first varsity year, right? So we played, um, a lot of games did okay. Um, and then by my t- by the time my sophomore year rolled around, we were starting to get pretty good. You know, it's still D3 soccer. Um, so we're not talking the big leagues, but um, we're definitely playing some teams that had been in the game a lot longer than us. And we were doing really, really well. And so soccer was definitely... Um, heating up. And so you had kind of that piece of it on top of the academics, but in all honesty, I loved the competition. So that didn't affect me negatively. Um, I actually found soccer to be a release from, you know, all the stuff that was happening. Chase Hall is like the main building where all the cadets live. So um, soccer was a release for me from what was happening in Chase Hall, right? It was like, I could clear mm-hmm. my mind. I could just focus on the ball and like crushing the girl in front of me. Cause that's how I thought, right? Like this mm-hmm. girl and that goalkeeper have to die. <laughs> and yeah. so um, athletics was really, I, I think the thing that kept me going, kept mm-hmm. me motivated, kept me in the game. Yeah. So my question, my next question was going to be, you know, like what were some of the highlights at the Academy? And it sounds like soccer absolutely was one of them for you. Soccer was definitely a highlight. And I would also say that I made some lifelong friendships, um, both men and women, but the, the friendships that developed um, with my girlfriends are still in place today. And so mm-hmm. I couldn't, you know, in terms of highlights, sure, soccer was great. But I think what really um, comes to mind when I think of my time at the academy is just the bonds that were formed with these groups of women um, that have lasted through marriages, divorces, babies, you know, homes, parents dying. Also, like, our relationships have lasted the test of time. And I think the environment kind of created that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I can I can relate to that. Um, were there any other like memorable moments at the Academy that you want to share? So we had a I would liken it to an ERG. I don't know exactly what it would what it would be titled, but an ERG in the civilian world is an employee resource group, right? So it's like a little um, a group that a bunch of employees have gotten together and said, we're going to focus on this particular topic and they pour their time and energy into it. So we had a group at the academy um, called, oh my God, the Genesis Club. 
And so Genesis Club was like a safe space for the minority employee or minority uh, cadets at the academy. And we had um, someone that led that group. I will never forget her face. She's the sweetest lady alive. And literally her mission was to ensure that we felt comfortable and that we got to graduation. Right. Mm -hmm. So any I mean, the academy was interesting being um, a black woman there because something as simple as hair care products. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, This always comes up. And, you know, sometimes people are like, well, it's a frivolous thing. It's not, though, because when you show up to a place and, you know, as a cadet until you're, you're you're in your junior year, you don't really get off base much. So if your parents aren't sending you packages or, you know, someone's not, you know, from the area is not coming by to pick you up and taking you somewhere, you really do most of your shopping for whatever you need um, at the exchange, right? So that's there on base. So when you're for all intents and purposes, trapped on base. And the only place you have to shop is this place and you can't find the appropriate shampoo for your hair. Um, you know, black hair is very sensitive. It's very dry. You know, it, it needs some different things. Um, so we can't use just like any shampoo. Like our hair will literally fall out of our head. Mm. Like it'll just fall off. Um, so when you can't even get something as basic as that, it makes you really feel unwelcomed in that environment. Um, and it makes everything so much harder. You know what I mean? It's on top of everything that is intended to be hard at the Academy. Now you have this little ticky tacky nonsense that you're just like, can I, can I just get some conditioner, please? Can Mm -hmm. I just (laughs) yell? Um, yeah, that's not a small thing. Oh, a hundred percent. So, I mean, it's, so to answer your original question, because I didn't answer you, I went around um, the question a little bit, but Genesis Club um, really served as that space for us where we could come, we could be ourselves, you know, you didn't have to explain who you were, or why you spoke a certain way, or um, you just, it was a community that helped you kind of relieve the pressure of being an only, right? Because there were so few minorities that depending on your major, you might be the only one um, in the classes that you're going to uh, every day. So, um, and then we found support there. So like Miss Miller, knowing that the Academy wouldn't provide these things for us. I mean, she would go out, she would ask us, Hey, what do you ladies need? We would make her a list. She would go buy us all the stuff that we needed. And I know she was probably doing something similar for the guys, taking them to get haircuts or, you know, little things like that. Just anything that she could do to, um, make our time there a little bit easier was pretty significant for us. Mm, That's awesome. I mean, so you had your own little community within already a small community. I mean, the Coast Guard's a pretty small community. The Academy's pretty small, but then you Mm -hmm. had this little niched group um, and then the soccer team. It sounds like you really found spaces where you felt like you fit in pretty well. Yes. Yes. Which is key. I think that's so key to being successful at an Academy and feeling good about your time there, you know? Um, Were there any lowlights at your time at the academy that you want to share or, you know, just uncomfortable experiences that, that, you know, were hard for you? Yeah. um, I, I've got a top three for you. Mm. Um, So while I was at the academy, I cannot remember if this was junior or freshman year at this point, um, so long ago, but, um, I was in my room, you know, it's dark, 
my roommate was gone for the week. It had to have been, uh, it had to have been sophomore year now that I think about it because my roommate wasn't there. She was gone somewhere for the weekend. Um, and I was in the bottom rack and asleep, you know, no telling what time of the morning it was. And all of a sudden I was awakened by someone who had come into my room um, with the obvious intent to sexually assault me. And I woke up as he had me pinned. So I'm under my sheets, right? Um, And he had me pinned down um, kind of under my sheets. And I'm not quite certain what he was doing and I couldn't see the room is split, you know, pitch, pitch black. Um, so I couldn't really see who it was. Like I got a general sense of the size of the person, um, but not much more than that. I could really decipher And at the moment, I just thought I was going to fight for my life and he was going to regret picking me that day. Um, and so it, it didn't end up in full-blown uh, sexual assault. He ended up bailing. It probably, probably, I was putting up too much of the fight. Um, so he ended up bailing and leaving. Um, and I never found out who did it. I reported it. Uh, but of course, there wasn't a whole lot that they could do um, because I couldn't give them a ton of information about who the, what this person looked like. Or, I mean, it was very general because of how dark it was. Um, I couldn't see them. And then they woke me up out of a sleep. So I was kind of hazy um, to begin with. So never really found that person. And so I spent the next two years kind of terrified if I'm honest. I was going to um, say, my goodness, Olivia, that is horrifying that you never mm-hmm. found out who it was and you had to be on campus for two more years. Like, I mean, I think you kind of knew that they were somewhere on campus. That person was around. Had I to, mean, it, right. Had to have been, unless uh, it was someone, you know, that was senior that had graduated and left already, but there was uh, no way to, to tell that. Right. Yeah, so so scary. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this perpetual fear um, that it would happen again. Uh, But I also kind of, you know, how I would talk myself out of it is like, he doesn't want that smoke again. Like he knows, he knows uh, what, what kind of resistance he'll be met with. But I was just like, you know, yeah. So that's the number one low light for certain. Do you, yeah, I mean, do you feel, well, first of all, did that experience make you feel like you wanted to leave the academy in any way? Oh, a hundred percent. So I actually, after that, um, you know, I didn't tell my parents and in hindsight, Victoria, I, if you ask me, well, why didn't you tell your parents? I have no idea. I can't answer that question to this day. I'm not sure why I didn't tell them, but I was so rattled that, um, I told my parents, like, I'm coming home. I'm done with this. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm coming home. So my mother was like, yep, come on home. My dad was not having it. Um, and he was basically like, if you leave, you can't come here because this is the plan, right? This is the plan. This is how you're going to get your education. This is how you're going to set yourself up. Um, there is no plan B, you cannot come home. Um, And that really devastated me. But in his defense, I didn't tell him why I wanted to come home. You know, so he didn't know. I was going to say, if he knew, do you think his response would have been different? You know, 
Yeah, I'm sure. As a father, as a father, of course, you know, who, who wants their, their daughter in in an environment like that, but I didn't share. Um, And so as I was kind of going, doing this back and forth with my parents, I had stopped doing all work. Like it was just so hard to engage um, in all the stresses of everyday life. And I really retreated into myself. If that makes sense. Um, And now there's a whole lot of conversation around mental health and depression and anxiety and those things. And I had the language for it now. And I probably was having pretty significant anxiety. I may have been depressed um, based on how I was behaving, you know, not doing any schoolwork. Soccer kind of fell off. I just couldn't, you know, get my rhythm. Um, Really took a little bit of a nosedive, so much so that my GPA took a hit. And then by the time my dad got to the point where he was like, we're not talking about this anymore. You're not coming home, like figure it out. Um, I had some makeup work to do because, Mm. you know, I had stopped doing a lot of the things day to day that I needed to be doing to keeping, to keep my GPA um, where I wanted it to be. So that whole Mm. event triggered so many other things um, that just made life at the Academy a lot harder than it probably should have been. Wow. I mean, yeah, I, I can't even imagine. And so, you know, I know you reported it on campus. So what was that like? Did you feel completely alone? Did you feel like you had any support? Were there people you could talk to? What was that piece like? I mean, um, I did feel supported. And I will say this, at least I can speak to um, the men that I called my friends at the academy when they heard um, what had happened, they were like, we'll freaking kill them. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. who it is? If we hear about it, like if someone says something, um, you know, in a locker room, like, it, you know, it'll be a bad day. And so I really felt protected from my male classmates. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like they had my back. You know what I mean? Yeah based on what they were saying. So that, that was a great feeling, but I, you know, back to being an engineer and not the best communicator, you can probably tell since I'm doing this podcast, I've, I've coached myself out of that. But when I was younger, Victoria, I was not a talker at all. Mm. Um, I was one of those people that I was just like, put your head down, figure out your problems yourself. There's no need to like talk about it. What's talking going to do, you know, feelings Mm. like what's that? No, you know, nobody has time for feelings. It was kind of my mindset. And so I really, um, I really didn't talk about it a ton with a lot of people, just, I think those closest to me, uh, kind of knew what was going on. But then whenever anybody engaged me in conversation, I kind of wasn't really trying to talk about it. Um, Mm -hmm. so I did feel supported from those who knew, but I, I, I don't think I, um, opened up enough to, really appropriately gauge the response of those around me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's nice to know that you felt protected though, by your classmates. I know that that's, that can be huge, you know, just feeling like people have your back, like that you, you trusted them enough to share. And then they responded in kind to like, you know, supporting you and making you feel safe. Cause that's talk about just feeling not safe in your environment. I I just, Mm -hmm. it's already such a struggle in an academy with everything going on that that is just such a, I I can't even imagine what that layer of things would have done to me emotionally, you know? So, wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So 
but you said there's more, there's other low lights you want to do. So <laughs> yeah, I think low light number two um, was because there wasn't a ton of uh, minorities at the academy. We had, I personally had um, several experiences, several brushes with racism, whether it was you know, microaggression, microaggression, somebody making comments about my skin color. Uh, for example, someone that I played soccer with um, made this joke, and I remember it to this day. Uh, we were, you know, practicing. I don't want to say what position she was because people can extrapolate who it was um, from mm -hmm. that. But we were we were out practicing, and you know, we're playing and it was raining and she got covered in mud and she popped up and was like, Oh, look, Olivia, I look like you. <laughs> and oh, I man. was like, Oh, so that's what we're doing now. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, so that was a teachable moment for her. Um, and then there were uh, several incidents of, you know, people having nooses left on their racks or, you know, just nonsense like that. And even one of the really? faculty. Oh what? yeah. Oh, yeah. My Goodness, oh, yeah. I can't even. What? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then I remember I got into it with a member of the faculty, and I won't say who that was either. Um, but we we were having a discussion in class one day, and she decided that she was going to make comments um, just around black culture, specifically African American culture, um, and like the gold teeth and the gold chains, and she was kind of mocking that whole um part of the culture right mm -hmm. and i took great offense to it and i basically you know responded to her professionally in class just saying that's inappropriate um she didn't like that so i left i left class um so she of course reported me and i got you know you you have to walk the quad or whatever you get detention you know you got to do your little mm -hmm. punishment there. Um, and then afterwards, I was told that I needed to apologize to her. And I refused. <laughs> I refused. Yeah. I was like, you're going to have to kick me out. If this is what does me in, so be it. But in mm -hmm. principle, you have her being openly racist in class. And you expect me as one of, you know, six you know, engineering minorities just to sit here and take it. And then I have to apologize to her. I'll, like, I'll never do it. And so it eventually got dropped, but I had to stand my ground pretty firmly um, on that one. And it was just, it was just inexcusable. Um, and they, I still think that there, we have a lot of opportunity to change the culture at the Coast Guard Academy as far as minority students are concerned. And when leadership is aware of incidents like that, um, they need to take the appropriate action. And by the sounds of it, that's still not happening. Um, so that's, that's something to be aware of. Uh. Talk about feeling unsafe in a variety of ways, Olivia. I mean, like that is, I just don't even know what to say, you know, and to think that that's, you don't really feel like that that's improved that much since then. Um, I, I mean, I really hope that someone there hears this and like is, is working on it. I know at the Merchant Marine Academy, um, that was the minority piece and, and trying to get more minorities to attend the academy was a big, a big struggle. Um, for all of like the early 2000s. I don't know where they're at now, but I, I hope that they're also making that more of an initiative. But I, I you know, I had never heard of situations like you're de describing at the Coast Guard Academy, but you know, 
I am I'm aware enough to know that there's maybe things going on at these academies that I don't know about. You know, I, I am aware enough to know that. So um, I just, it's just incredible to me that, that what you're sharing. I just, I can't even imagine, but you kept yeah. going, you kept going with all of this. Like you kept fighting through all of this. It's insane. I mean, you have to, what are your choices? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Remember I had, bur- I had burned the boats. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean the, I, I think the, the highlights outweigh the lowlights by yeah. a million miles. I will say that. Yeah. Um, but the lowlights were definitely significant. Um, so, you know, I, I still would advocate the Coast Guard Academy is a gem. You get so much responsibility so much, so early in your career. I mean, the training, I would not, um, I would not change anything about the path that I took, but I think people mm-hmm. need to be realistic about what they're walking into. And all of our service academies are just a microcosm of the United States, right? Mm-hmm. So if you turn on the news, <laughs> you see yeah. what you see. Um, and so the folks ending up at the military academy, yes, we have a common mission. We want to serve our country. We want to make this place a little bit better than we found it. But there are still things, you know, people bring baggage into that situation. They bring their family mm-hmm. baggage. They bring cultural baggage. They bring yeah. biases based on their experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so those things that we see out in society would be naive of us to think that they're not going to show up in a service academy because yeah. we're just we're just a little portion of the greater society. Yeah. Do you feel like these situations, though, as you brought them to the administration's attention, did you bring them to the administration's attention? I know this one with the class you did, you described that, but did you feel like they were receptive to evolving at that time when you were there? Or did you kind of feel like you were on your own? You're on your own. I mean, I I wish I could give you a a better, brighter outlook, but um, these incidents were never dealt with the swift action that you would hope that they would be dealt with. And, you know, there are lots of people looking to make changes. Um, But I think, you know, I can say this now, I think the Coast Guard is so concerned about its image that the image, the public image outweighs doing the right thing as far as some of the social stuff is concerned. And that's a shame because the Coast Guard Academy is really a wonderful place. And I think we're missing out on a lot of talent because they hear from people either past or present um, that it's not a good experience for us. Um, So so it really is a talent issue. And and I think, you know, I saw a report um, some months back uh, that there's a decline in women and minorities um, entering the academy. And so people are starting to dig in and say, well, why is this happening? You know, why aren't alumni, right? Why aren't, why aren't black alumni coming back and, and mm-hmm. giving back? Um, and so I think they're looking into it and they're trying to come up with solutions. Um, but I, I just don't think in total, we have made the strides that we probably should be um, and that our, and that our people deserve, you yeah. know? Yeah. 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 Uh, I can't even imagine that there's a third low light after these two. Um, what was there? There's something else you wanted to share as well. Right. Um, I think those two, those two are the, the two pretty, um, significant ones. I kind of wrapped the third one into that. Uh, I think it was my specific incident with the faculty member, 
Um, mm. But I kind of bucketed <laughs> them all into just kind yeah. of not great race experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's so unfortunate to hear. Wow. Okay. All right. But given all these things you shared, you stayed, um, you pushed through, you know, and because that's what you do, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You, you were going to graduate. Um, so, so tell me, so you approach graduation. I think you, you do, you want to be an engineer. Um, what was the plan uh, when you graduated? What were you going to be doing? Um, so when I graduated, I knew I wanted to be on, you know, like a naval engineering career path. So um, I headed out, I got stationed in Mississippi um, and I was a student engineer there. So I was on a 210 foot uh, cutter um, out of Pascagoula, Mississippi. And it was wonderful. My CO was like, oh my God, best human being ever. Um, our XO was amazing. Our ops was amazing. Like we had the best crew. The engineers were fabulous. Um, my boss, the the EO, the engineer officer was just amazing. I learned so much from him. Um, and we did counter drugs and migrants down in the Caribbean doesn't get much better than that. (laughs) So um, the plan was definitely to learn as much as I could as fast as I could. And I'm someone with pretty high mastery. So I wanted to know everything about the ship. I wanted to know every nook and cranny. Um, I wanted to be the best Coast Guard engineer that I could. Um, So I just took to asking a whole lot of questions, building relationships, figuring out how to lead. Um, and getting busy, I think that first, that first unit really set the tone for the leader I was to become after that. Mm -hmm. And how long were you there? Uh, two years, two years. Okay. Um, so now in the coast guard, did you experience some similar struggles that you experienced at the Academy with, with race, with, you know, sexual assault, being a woman, like that kind of stuff? Did, did that come up during your time in the Coast Guard or no? Honestly, no. I, once I hit the field, um, now different women have different experiences. So I'm not speaking for everyone. Let me just put that out there. But me personally, I was surrounded by great people. Um, we never had any incidents or if people did feel like that or were saying racist things, they weren't an earshot of me. Um, mm. So I didn't have any further I'm just racking my brain now to think if there was anything, but there's nothing that jumps out of me that happened while I was in the field. I had a blast. Mm, okay. And how long did you stay in? Um, so I stayed in for eight years and, um, you know, I had plans of staying in forever, but the universe took over and life happened. And wouldn't, you know, uh, I checked all the naughty boxes and met my husband on my last <laughs> tour of duty mm-hmm. and, um, realized pretty quickly that, that this was, this was it. So, you know, had a, had a conversation with my CL, like, here's where I'm at. What do I do? Um, and he was basically like, saw that coming, you know, you guys are both great, but somebody's got to go. So it ended up being me. Mm, somebody has to go. Cause you were together in the same unit and you couldn't be together in the same unit. Oh, together in the same unit, officer enlisted, same reporting. Ch- I mean, every gotcha. known box, just <laughs> check them all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you made it this, the decision at that time to be like, okay, well, we want to be together. We're going to get married or, or, or just be together forever. So I'm going to leave the Coast Guard. 
Correct. Yeah. Okay. And we, we, we got married shortly after that. Okay. Okay. And so, so then what was the plan? So you got out, that's a, you know, that's a big change. Oh, huge change. Um, and for once in my life, I had no plan and I was terrified, Victoria. I, <laughs> I could not have been more terrified um, than I was at that moment making that decision. And if I'm honest, because I'm a little bit of a planner, um, I took a temp sep, which is a temporary separation, right? So you could leave for two years um, to figure life out. And then you could come back at the same place that you left if you so decided to do that, right? So think of it as like a little sabbatical. Yeah. So I did that instead of getting out, out. Uh, initially, because I wanted to make sure that this was going to work and that he wasn't crazy behind the scenes and, you know, all those things. So um, took the temp step. Uh, I actually joined because I had no plan and was not prepared to leave. Um, I joined Lucas Group and I can't remember who referred me to Lucas Group, but a Lucas Group is kind of a military headhunter. So they kind of match transitioning military um, folks with you know, companies in the civilian world that are looking for military talent. So the best thing I could have done was to join Lucas Group because they're the one that matched me up with the company that I'm with now. And I got to tell you, I knew nothing about medical device space. I, I thought I wanted to be an engineer again. So I was looking for something more technical, more hands-on. Um, and when I went to Lucas Group, you know, they talk to you about all these companies, they interview you, they teach you how to interview, um, they give you little best practices, but they also, you know, once they get a feel for who you are, they recommend, hey, I think these five companies would be a good match for you. Um, and they and they nailed it. They, I mean, I couldn't be happier. Mm, that's awesome. That's awesome. Again, that you found some a little support group for you to help you transition to the next phase. And so it sounds like after that two years, that separation piece, you were, you were more clear with definitely separating, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, so then you start at this new company doing medical devices and that's where you've been since. That's where I've been since. Oh my goodness. Wow. So So now in hindsight, since you left the Coast Guard a little earlier than you thought you would, but you still served for a long time and eight years is a long time. Um, How do you currently feel about that decision to go to the Coast Guard Academy? I mean, best decision ever. I I still don't regret a moment of it, Victoria. And the reason I say that is because um, some of what makes me good in, uh, let me take that back a lot of what makes me good um, in my current role and what has brought me success in the civilian sector is what I learned at the Coast Guard Academy, mental toughness, um, pushing through when you want to quit, um, navigating sticky situations, right? Forming relationships, um, you know, overcoming adversity, all of those things I learned while at the Academy. So things that you know, rattle my peers, I don't bat an eye at, right? Um, so I, I, I would say a lot of my success um, has come because of the experience that I had uh, at the Coast Guard Academy. So I wouldn't trade that decision for anything. Mm-hmm. And so then what's, what's next for you? Um, I mean, that's a good question. So 
I um, love the HR space. And what I tell people is that, you know, engineering is kind of the science of machinery, um, but HR is the science of people. And I never thought if you would have asked me 10 years ago, what I see myself in HR, I would have laughed at you. I'd have been like, there's no way I'm kind of an HR nightmare. Um, you know, I can be a little bit aggressive. I may cuss if I get frustrated. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I wouldn't say that HR would have been something that I would have thought would have come naturally to me. Um, but it's really fantastic. And if you are team oriented, if you are people um, oriented, if you are a good problem solver, then HR is a space for you. You know, so um, where I think I'm going from here is I definitely want to continue to impact this company positively. And, you know, maybe I have hopes of being a VP of HR um, someday. So that's probably the next step. I'm, I'm a little far from that, I think right now, but um, I think ultimately that's where I'd, I'd like to go. But I can tell you one thing's for certain, I will never leave Stryker. Stryker is an amazing company. Um, and, you know, they, they have supported me, they've support helped, they've supported me so I can support my husband as he continued to serve our country. They've given me the flexibility that I've needed um, to be able to move around a bit and do that. Um, so one thing's for certain is I'm, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that well, that's awesome that you found a company that like you really, you know, that they, they support what you're doing, they support the lifestyle you're living with your husband. How does that feel, by the way, um, you know, getting out of the Coast Guard while your husband is still in? Because that was a big part of your life. Does that, how do you feel about that? Um, I would say right now I feel fine about it. Um, at the time we, I mean, you know, when you're year one in a relationship, um, it can be a little bit rough. <laughs> and so to compound that, right. I think, um, given the situation that we were both in, I had to get out because of our relationship, not necessarily because I was itching to get out. There were definitely moments that I can look back and say that maybe I was not the nicest to him. Um, when we would have a fight about something and I would be like, I left the Coast Guard for you. You ruined my career. Mm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> So I think initially, maybe I was a little bit resentful because I did love it. You know, I, I loved the mission. I loved our people. Um, I loved what we were doing out there. And so maybe initially uh, I was a little spicy about it, but honestly, it's been so great. Um, this company that I'm in is so, so supportive that I don't, I don't think about it at all at this point. Yeah. And it sounds like it really opened up a whole nother side of of your personality and just like, you know, your potential, you know, this whole like HR thing. I mean, the way you described yourself at the Academy and even in the Coast Guard, you know, this whole engineering kind of mindset, you know, not really wanting to be open, like not really wanting to open up about yourself or really be talkative. Um, I mean, you're totally different now. I mean, I can tell that just talking to you. <laughs> so, so that's amazing. It sounds like you're exactly where you need to be. You know, that's incredible. Do you have any uh, key messages for other fellow service academy women that have graduated or that are currently at the school? Yeah, hang in there. <laughs> hang in there. Yeah. Um, I would say those that came before you um, are understand what you're going through. So hang in there. It's doable. 
obviously you did it, I did it. There are a number of other women um, that have done it, but it's it all comes down to how bad do you want it? And I would say second to, to you, you got to want it bad is stand your ground. You know, if something um, happens to you that's not right, don't be afraid to speak up because you would be surprised at where the support comes from. Um, and also, if something bad happens to you, speak up, not just for yourself, but for the women that'll come behind you. Mm. Um, so if each of us make little small improvements by, you know, bringing light to situations that are that are not right, then we make it a little bit easier for our sisters that come behind this. So find your voice, use your voice, your voice. Don't let anybody mess with you and hang in there. Mm, I love it. Awesome, Olivia. And before we go, just what is one random fun fact about you that you can share? One random fun fact. Uh, despite what it sounds like, I'm a total introvert. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, still that engineer at heart. Um, so I, I think that's people meet me nowadays and they're like, oh, you're totally an extrovert. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Are you like shutting yourself off after work completely by yourself, hold up in your house? <laughs> oh, hundred percent. I'm in my bedroom. It's dark. I've got a book. I'm like not trying to talk to anyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can relate. I totally get that. Oh. All right, Olivia. And finally, where can people reach you? Yep. So people can reach me on LinkedIn. Um, that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. Uh, so, it, you know, and I'm always willing to lend a hand. So if you have questions or you just want to connect or, you know, maybe you're in the hunt for a job and you're, you're curious about how to transition, I'm happy to answer questions. I try to make myself as accessible as possible because as you've heard my story, there were people along the way that took an interest in me that really helped me um, from milestone to milestone. So I try to pay that back. So if you're looking for me um, on LinkedIn, it's Olivia Grant dash cream. Um, or if you just do Olivia cream, there's not a whole lot of us out there. So I should pop right up. So feel free to send me a message. I would love to chat and help any way I can. Mm, that's awesome. And I will, I will be sure to put those links in the show notes for people so that they can find you. Um, Olivia, it was awesome chatting with you. I really appreciate you sharing your story with the Service Academy sorority. Well, thank you for having me. This was such a pleasure. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to visit the Service Academy sorority website to see photos, comprehensive show notes, and contact information for each guest. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. In addition, if you enjoy what you heard here today, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. And if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, please feel free to submit your contact information on our website at www.serviceacademysorority.com.